Hey there, thoughtful listener. Would you like consistent and predictable sales activity with no spam and no ads? I'll teach you step by step how to do this, particularly if you're an agency owner, consultant, coach, or B2B service provider. What I teach has worked for me for more than 15 years and has helped me create more than $10 million in revenue. Just head to upmyinfluence.com and watch my free class on how to create endless high-ticket sales appointments. You can even chat with me live and I'll see and reply to your messages. Also, don't forget, the Thoughtful Entrepreneur is always looking for guests. Go to upmyinfluence.com and click on podcast. We'd love to have you. With us right now, Shane Spraggs. Shane, you are the founder of Vertira, that's V-I-R-T-I-R-A.com, and you're also the author of the book, The Power of Remote, Building High-Performing Organizations That Thrive in the Virtual Workplace. Okay, every leader listening right now, their ears just perked up. Shane, it's great to have you. Thanks. I do have one, one correction. I'm not the founder. I can't take that credit, but I am CEO of Vertira. Okay. All right. My bad. My bad. My bad. No worries. All right. <laughs> so beer. Shane, yeah. Get, t- tell us about the work that you do. Before we get into the book, tell us just who Vertira is and what you do there. Yeah, absolutely. We are a productivity company. It's people, not not software. So we put people into companies to help with the operations and project management and sales operations. And we've been in business remotely for over 15 years. And so when the pandemic hit, we were in pretty good shape. You know, we didn't have to worry as much as other companies did, although it did affect us because we, we tend to get together once a year anyways, and there's some value of being in person. But we took the opportunity to say, okay, let's take all of our experience of working remotely and put it into a book and hopefully help others with that. Yeah. And so when you're working with your clients at Vertiro, what does that typically look like? Well, so uh, I'll give you a good example. We have a team who uh, works with a bunch of sales, uh, enterprise sales teams in the States, and they do all the backend work to allow the salespeople to focus on the strategy of the sale. So you got a salesperson, they are hard to find a good one, you want to maximize their time. You don't want them doing all the paperwork, even as far as even putting quotes together and you know tracking deliveries and doing all the other backend work. We, that's where we come in. We help take that off the the hands of uh, those busy salespeople. And we offer what some companies call a deals desk service in that respect. Uh, In other cases, we will just do staff augmentation and help, uh, you know, a startup with a a project manager. A lot of small companies will will need a project manager, but if they hire a project manager, that person is being put in as a silo. There's no one on that team who can uh, provide them with mentorship because they're the only project manager and you're stuck with one person and you know you have you have this individual who may or may not be the right person for the job and they have no no one to look up to and no one to help them with any problems they might come against so we can help with uh, providing a project manager fractionally or full-time yeah you've worked with organizations like Cisco Dell Technologies American Express Telus Imperva VMware and what might be some of the pain points you hear when you start having those initial conversations with organizations like them? It's just time. The people we work with are so maxed out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they have their meeting calendar scheduled chock full. They hardly have time to think themselves. They're working 60-hour weeks. And this is where we can come in. And just us doing the same task that they might do saves them double the time because they have to stop their work 
put that down, go deal with the order, then put that down, go back to their original job. But we can go through and handle multiple orders at a time. And that just streamlines things and helps them uh, get focused on, like I said, the strategy of their sale and, and their customer service. Is most of the work you end up doing in, you know, kind of setting up better systems? Obviously, you start with strategy, but, you know, I, I would imagine a lot of that implementation then is just, you know, kind of establishing those systems that are going to work better for folks that may be in and out of the office or not in the office at all, um, but yet the leaders are still able to get the, I'd say maybe the efficiencies of the productivity that they're looking for that maybe they once had when yeah. everybody was in the office. Yeah, and that's exactly it. You know, so from a remote work standpoint, I look at it in this lens of what's called the self-determination theory. And this is a theory that was born out of the 1980s by a couple named Edward Desi and Richard Ryan. And they talk about how motivation requires three key things. That's autonomy, competency, and relatedness. And so if you really think those are pretty straightforward terms and they know what they mean, what you think they mean. And if you think about when everyone went from you know working in the office to working remotely, then people still had the autonomy in a lot of cases. A lot of people had the competency, but it was that relatedness really started to suffer. And so, you know, we have a, a lot of approaches to things. A lot of them are very simple. You know, something as simple as having an icebreaker before a meeting can help build relatedness with the people you're working with. And we find that you don't need to have, you know, this strong social atmosphere like you tend to have in the office. All that's doing is organically trying to build the relatedness that you can build if you have a bit of intentionality. So we help organizations figure that out for themselves and help them get back to a place where they can be operational and more productive. I mean, we hear a lot of results about remote work, depends who you talk to. But in my opinion, and opinion of many other research companies, that remote work is more productive. And more so than that, remote workers tend to be retained by the company longer. Yes. They, they cost less, not because they necessarily have to um, you know, pay them less, but there's no office you know, there's no paying their, you know, their hydro, you know, paying their electricity bill, you know, they have all that at home and they're happier. You know, they can do a work-life balance far better than they can in the office. And they're saving themselves on average an hour and a half of community each day. And that's caught saving them money. So it is just a win-win-win for a lot of people. And, you know, it's not obviously for everyone. Some people feel some feelings of loneliness and uh, being siloed. Uh, so when we hire remotely, we look for people who have a strong social life outside of the office. Not only does that give them a outlet for their social needs, because everyone still needs social needs. It also gives them a chance to um, gives them something to work for during the day that they can want to get back to after the weekends and evenings. Shane, let's talk about your book, The Power of Remote, yeah. Building High-Performing Organizations That Thrive in the Virtual Workplace. Who needs to read this book and what's the transformation <laughs> that, that, that will occur when they read and apply? There are three main categories of people who need this book. And I say that when the pandemic happened, the employees were ready to go to work out of the house. The managers were not ready. They had no idea how to work remotely. And this book helps them with management. HR was not ready to go work remotely. They had no idea how to hire people, how to fire people. This will help them. And executives had no idea how to continue doing strategic planning and maintaining a yearly plan remotely. And we have uh, bits and pieces in the book for that as well. Yeah. Well, maybe walk me through. I know you offer a free chapter, but if we were to condense the thesis of the power of remote into, let's say, like a mini TED talk, what would be the kind of the conclusion that we'd move people to? 
Right, right. And sure. And I'll do my best. <laughs> one of the things with this book, it's not like your typical business book. It's not one theme that's been stretched out across, you know, 200 pages. And by the time you're in the end of the book, you're like, just hoping that you see that index on the next page to get the book over with is chock full of practical feedback and ideas on how to run things, as well as includes a lot of history and references to support our claims. And starting from the top, companies have to do a better job of sharing and communicating their purpose. Uh, they have to make sure that throughout the entire hiring process, people know why they're joining the company. We want to hire people who want to join to support the purpose of the company. And then um, in onboarding, you want to make sure you people with, with somebody like an onboarding buddy, you want to make sure that you have a strong onboarding plan so that people can learn all about your organization. And what we'd say is that, you know, set up it up. So you, you meet in the first week and you talk about next week's goals. You meet the next week, talk about the following week's goals, do the same thing again until you get the first month done. Then you talk about what's going to happen in the next month. And then with the employee, you talk about the next month. And by the time you're done three months, now you've got to set up where you're talking not just about what their goals are for the next three months, but you have a, a performance plan already put in place for the, the employee. And you connect that with what the company's trying to do. And so they have a sense of their relatedness, of relatedness to how their tasks push forward the company plan. What are they doing that's making progress that has impact in the company's um, direction? And that's critical to keep people engaged is like, how am I helping out? And yeah, you know, I'm a big proponent on making sure that employees have at least a weekly one-on-one -on -one with their managers. Uh, we have something in the book about how to do that more successfully than your typical one-on-ones in, in person. It's not rocket science. There's, there's stuff you need to be able to do. And we say that it doesn't need different management. It just needs better management. So all the management techniques we've all heard about over the course of you know many, many years, all these books out there that talk about how to manage well, you have to apply much of that concept, but remotely so that you can manage your people well. I, I was just kind of glancing over an article that you had written um, that got picked up on LinkedIn. And you talk about, uh, again, remotely relatedness is the key. And then related is it requires meaningful connections with others. And if you're in an office... Relatedness tends to develop organically, remotely, yeah. you're going to need a little bit of intention. And what you talk about is you use the self-determination theory as the roadmap for running a successful remote company. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah. You know, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, the self-determination theory is three main components. It's the autonomy, competency, and relatedness. And if, if, as a manager, if you were to try to satisfy all three of those for your team members, you're doing a good job. The focal point for this, and it all comes together at the one-on-one, -on -one. you can imagine on, on when you're having a conversation with your team member, you need to make sure that you are giving them work that they have control over. So I like to say that it's not about telling, you know, when you have point A to point B, it's not about getting them to figure out what point B is. As a manager, you need to provide point B. You have to let them figure out how to get there, right? And that's the part most managers miss with assigning accountability is they don't want, employees don't want to be on the hook to figure out what needs to be done. They need that leadership from you. So they, they want to be able to have some flexibility on how they take care of that, how they get from point A to point B. So you take care of the autonomy. You make sure that they are competent enough for the work that they have to do. So, you know, do they have the right skills? If not, do they have the right training? You know, are they overskilled for this work? That sort of thing. And then the relatedness side. How is this connected with the, with the company goals? Uh, how are they connected with the people that they have to work with on their team? How are they going to see value from this task when it is finished? And so with if you keep those three concepts in mind, 
for all parts of your work plan, you can work out what needs to be improved upon remotely. Yeah. All right. So again, we've been talking about the power of remote building high-performing organizations that thrive in the virtual workplace, spell seller on Amazon. You can also, I don't mean to steal your thunder here, Shane, on a call to action, but you can read the free chapter right yeah. now, uh, no opt-in required at your website, vertira.com, V-I-R-T-I-R-A. Shane, what I'd like to do is maybe give some action items and folks that are inspired by what we've been talking about today can maybe implement immediately or maybe just one little task, something that they could do sure. so that they could maybe improve, you know, their current culture and or performance productivity, uh, you know, just how things are being run. Sure. And I'll take, I'll start with a basic one, communication. Communication is probably the most important thing in the company. Everyone does it slightly wrong. I shouldn't say wrong. No one's ever happy with how things are communicated. And I have a saying that, uh, that once you're tired of saying it, people are starting to get it. So a lot of companies do not have their communication plan written down. If you're a small to medium, large company, uh, you're just getting started and you don't have someone responsible for corporate communications, just sit down. It takes about an hour. Write down how communication works mm. top, down, and left and right. So how is the message going to go from the CEO to the worker? How is information going to go from the worker to the CEO? And how how is information shared laterally, right? And it doesn't take long to outline this. And you can just gives you a starting point, And that gives you something to improve upon, right? Well, that didn't work. Let's do this differently. So a good example is that you might have, okay, my, my plan to communicate information down is a quarterly all hands. Well, you do that for a few times. Are people getting the information they need to understand what's happening at the company? No. Well, let's throw in a monthly newsletter. Great. That's too much information or you know, people aren't reading it. And you make these changes in iteratively to improve things over time. But you got to start somewhere. You got to start with a just write it down. Right. And the same thing applies for your onboarding. Onboarding is such a critical time for an employee to become feel a sense of relatedness with the organization and a lot of times, all it requires is you to sit down and write down what things you want them to learn, who do you want them to meet, and what goals they have in the first two or three months, right? And by doing that, it's again, it's intentionality. You're not leaving things to chance. So, so many companies will just hire somebody and they'll let them flounder and appear on meetings and nobody knows who they are. And that does a significant disservice to the new hire and it forces them to struggle in those first few critical weeks. So there's a couple of things. Write down your communication plan, write down your onboarding plan and just start iterating it. And the onboarding plan is a great example where at the end of the onboarding process with your new hire, ask them how to fix it. What did we do right? What did we do wrong? And every time you do that, you get some new little nugget that you can fix and improve upon. So your book, again, The Power of Remote Building High-Performance Organizations that Thrive in the Virtual Workplace, it's on Kindle. It's an audiobook. It's a hardcover version. It's all on Amazon. And again, link from your website, vertira.com. Anything else in terms of resources or, you know, when folks go to your website, you'd recommend their next steps be? We have a number of things. That, one of the things we did recently that I think people find really interesting is we did a, a survey. We surveyed all about webcam usage back in 2021. Uh, this was of interest to us at the time because... When people all went off uh, you know, on remote, there's a huge push for always being on camera. And that was different for us. We didn't, you know, Vertira as a company, we don't force people to be on camera. And our assumption was at the time that that was onerous on, on individuals and it causes people to burn out. So we ran this survey back in 2021. 
we re-ran the survey in September. And so we have about a thousand people each time and we got some great results. So if you want some fundamental research that you can use to talk to your boss or talk to a leader on your team about how things should be, have a look at this survey. It talks about meeting fatigue and, and Zoom fatigue. Zoom fatigue was the big one for the longest yeah. time. And people are, I think, more or less the last few years getting used to being on camera. But we yeah. still tell people, if you're in a meeting where typically you'd be in a boardroom, there'd be one person talking at a time, that's a crappy place to have a camera on. You're just going to be sitting there staring at people and that's going to slowly drain that person's life away, right? So um, we advocate that, you know, in those meetings, do your first 15, 10 minutes of conversation socializing on camera, then get off the camera, let people do their job and you don't need to be on camera for that. But if you are talking with someone like we're having this conversation, yeah, of course, let's put camera on it. You know, uh, visual cues are, you know, a big part of the communication. So um, that we believe in. What we found out in 2023 was it's less about Zoom fatigue and more about meeting fatigue. And for whatever reason, I shouldn't say, well, we kind of know, but there are more meetings remotely than there are in the office. And they are now, unfortunately, people have their whole day booked up. They're back to back. And unlike in the office where you, if you had a back-to-back meeting, at the very least, you would stand up after that conversation and walk out the door and get a few minutes of, you know, stretch your legs, set in your mind what it was you talked about. Virtually, you just click the button, go to the next meeting. You're going from one to the other. People need breaks, right? It's just too much. You can't do three or four hours of meetings in a row without impact. I don't care who you are. That's going to um, impact somebody, right? I do it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe can, Josh can has got you, the power. I'll tell you one of my biggest hacks that I figured out, because I, I do probably about six hours of Zoom three days a week and probably four hours on right. on Monday. So the biggest thing that I learned I have to do is I have to turn off self-view. Don't right. look at yourself. And and I noticed when I did that, it seemed to be a lot more tolerable. And then I think there is probably a little bit something to the, uh, you know, kind of pushing out the comfort zone. Initially, like if you go from zero, to, you know, and I think a lot of people were, right? They're, you know, yeah. zero hours on Zoom and all of a sudden they're 20 hours on Zoom in a week. Yeah, that's going to be very unsettling for sure. So I think I'm just used to it at this point. Yeah, so I, I think just, a lot I of just, people are and, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so we have a lot of, you know, have a look at the research. We have uh, all that's covered in there uh, and cool. some real good stats about, yeah. you know, and so some recommendations as well. So, for example, at Vertiro, we have earmarked Friday. Friday's meeting, no meeting Friday. And I don't always have no meetings on that day. We, you know, it's a place for me to pick up time if I have to. But having a day where you can work is so productive. Uh, and I also benefit from having the, my most of my teams out east. So I'm in. Western Canada. Most of my team is out in Nova Scotia and we span four time zones, which allows us to help customers in every time zone. But it also means we have less overlap for when we actually work as a company. And we have a policy. There's no meetings before 8 a.m. Pacific or after 5 p.m. Atlantic. So that means that from one o'clock on my time, I have no meetings. And it's brilliant, right? I get uh, I get so much done in the afternoon because of that. And I'm far more productive. And so if you can take some time to be a little more intentional about what meetings you need. And a lot of times meetings are just there because people set them up and never turn them off. And yeah. They don't, they don't have an agenda. They don't have any purpose. They just get together and talk. All right. Shane Spraggs, CEO of Vertira and co-author of the book, The Power of Remote, Building High-Performance Organizations that Thrive in the Virtual Workplace. Shane Spraggs, thank you so much for joining us. 
Thanks, Josh. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. If you're a listener, I'd love to shout out your business to our whole audience for free. You can do that by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or join our listener Facebook group. Just search for The Thoughtful Entrepreneur in Facebook. I'd love, even if you just stop by to say hi, I'd love to meet you. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. We love our community who listens and shares our program every day. Together, we are empowering one another as thoughtful entrepreneurs. Hit subscribe so that tomorrow morning, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. I promise to bring positivity and inspiration to you for around 15 minutes each day. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.